0: Hi, welcome to the Mohua Show. My name is Mohua Chanapa and I am an author, entrepreneur, and ex-housewife. This podcast is about everything from business to technology to arts to lifestyle, but done and spoken iman se. Hi, in today's episode, we have with us Briganka Gope. Briganka is a teacher who teaches at the government-approved state-aided college called Umesh Chandra College of Commerce. She's currently pursuing her PhD from Vidya Sagar University and closely working with sex workers and transgenders in and around Kolkata. She's also associated with a registered NGO called Purbita, which works for the welfare of the children of the rural and underdeveloped areas of West Bengal. Welcome for today's episode, Briganka. You need to share some stories about how Purbita has helped the children.
1: Hi, Mahua. Thank you so much for the warm introduction. Um, Yeah, obviously, I'm going to talk about Purbita. Actually, Purbita works under EGRA. EGRA is the broader term, Purbita is a smaller term. Purbita specifically works uh, in the rural areas, rural areas of Bolpur, rural areas of Bardwan, which is there in West Bengal, like you know. So it is based on the children specifically. It's the children who's the focus of Purvita, children of the marginalized population. Because, you know, in Bolpur and One, the problem is that the tribal women and also the tribal men, they're extremely hardworking. They're very passionate about their work, but there's not much scope of work that's going on over there. So uh, what uh, Purvita does is, Purvita takes care of the children of these women, children of these men and women, who are very much interested to pursue education. And, you know, their education takes place in a very different way because their education is just not about studying. It is about music. It's about dance. It's about recitation. It's about painting. It's about so many things. It's it's kind of an overall grooming so and also about uh, defense skills, self-defense skills even that is taught to the students and these are all taught by volunteers you know people who are willing to take up such kind of work they don't get paid for this and they don't even charge I mean, they, they just do this willingly out of the love that they have for these little children who's uh, residing over there and uh, I personally take care of these children because I try and ensure that they get the right kind of nutrition every morning. For this, I do whatever I can from my end, and sometimes we organize some interesting programs, maybe a Diwali program, or uh, maybe somebody's birthday celebration over there. So it is always a give and take policy because it's just not that we are giving. There's no charity. It's about the wellness, you know. They are giving us back too because whenever we reach there, we are always greeted with you know flowers and bouquets, which are all handmade. So there's so much of love and so much of passion here in these beautiful villages that they are always uh, welcoming us, uh, you know, with uh, their hands stretched. And they are so very near and dear to all of us. And even during COVID times, I would say, when the situation was so tough and children were not going to schools, you see, children... who live with us, I mean, the, the children who belong to the cities, even they were not able to concentrate. They couldn't, like, you know, do their stuffs properly, couldn't do their tasks properly. They were also losing track of so many things. Uh, so you just imagine what happens, What what really happened in the villages during 2020 and 2021. So the children suffered immensely. But even during those tough days, the person who runs Purbita, uh, we lovingly call him Montuda, but his name is Kamala Kantojana. He uh, did everything that he could possibly to, uh, you know, bring up teachers from all the places and teach them painting and dancing and music and everything else. The 10 students, 10 children, I would say, from Purbita uh, got into the Ekalavya project of central government and central government took them up under its wing and started uh, funding for their education, everything. Like, you know, there is an Eklavya project of the central government where uh, marginalized kids are taken under their wing who do well and they are taught until they reach a 12th standard and they are groomed properly. So 10 children from there got this opportunity via Purvita. So Purvita is doing really well. It is looking after the rural children and also the rural households um, at the same time. So that was all about it.
0: So, Briga, it's very interesting, you know, uh, you're a commerce student and, uh, you know, you're a commerce graduate. And your life generally revolves around numbers. And, uh, you know, why would you choose something that really is, uh, you know, in the non-profitable side of work? I mean, how did you come into this whole awakening with yourself to decide and work with sex workers and the transgenders?
1: Oh you I mean this is such a deep question and something that is so close to my heart I would say um you know uh, when I was in my university it was back then that I thought that um, that I that I read uh, quite a few stories and articles on sex workers and transgenders or eunuchs also um and you know uh, I have this, family upbringing where uh, people have told me to be compassionate, to be empathetic towards others and to understand what people are going through. And it's very important that we don't sympathize with people, which is is something that I've been uh, told a lot of times by uh, several people who are working for others, that you don't sympathize with others. You try to empathize with others. Don't think about charity. Think about wellness programs. You're not supposed to say, oh, you're so poor. I'll You know, help you tomorrow because I have money, or I'm gonna help you day after tomorrow because I have some surplus resources. This is not the way things go, like it is about undergoing what they are going through, or maybe stepping into their shoes and getting an idea of what they are exactly feeling, so that you can feel it and you can do things that can make lives better. So, this is one thing that I've been told by a lot of people and especially by my uh, family members who told me, who have expressed their feelings about how you can stand by others. So it was then. And uh, during my university days, I was keen to work with those sectors who are considered as the informal sectors, unorganized sectors. So I went on reading a lot of articles and books uh, with regard to sex workers. I've seen a lot of movies also, because there are so many movies revolving around them. So when you know back those days i didn't know if i would ever get a phd in a government university because i wasn't sure if i would ever qualify you know, these exams or not but i thought that if i ever do it i'm going to do it on this and it even happened once that i couldn't um yeah you know convince uh one of uh you know in one of the instances that i'm supposed to do my phd on this particular topic i couldn't convince it well um and i was so upset about it but later on it just happened that um Things fell into place, and I got the opportunity of um, doing my research on sex workers, eunuchs, transgenders who belong to the underlying sections of the society, the informal uh, sections of the society. I I always wanted to know how things work over there, how things uh, how things are running over there. I mean, is it actually what we read in books? Is it actually what we read in the articles? Or there are a lot of differences in there lifestyle or in their uh, in the way they work or in the way they perform their duties and what are the challenges and odds of this profession these are the things that have been always intriguing. so when i was doing my when i thought of doing my phd finally i was very sure that i'm going to do it on nothing but you know this actually
0: wonderful um uh, two transgender people you know in tamil nadu they were harassed and their hair was forcibly cut by two men They've been identified, these two men, as Yuva Bhuvan and Vijay. They've been arrested by the Kalumugulai police and the incident surfaced online, you know. And what is most heart-wrenching is this, that the men forced and chopped off their hair. So, we've had this transgender activist called Grace Banu, you know. So, she shared the video on Twitter. The atrocities that often go unreported, actually, you know. Have you ever come across a situation like this, you know, in your work?
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I have uh, seen the video too. And I just want, uh, I have a lot of things to tell you with regard to this, because, um, you know, I have been working with this for some time and for quite a number of years. I'll tell you, um, I don't know whether it seems controversial or not, but in West Bengal, the situation is slightly better, I would say. Slightly better in the sense that it is comparably better than the other states. Why? Because over here we don't treat people with such kinds of you know. I mean, I mean, there is not so much of atrocity going on over here over eunuchs speci- specifically because here we, we are highly attached to the eunuchs. We call them uh, in the uh, if we call them when a daughter or a son is born our families so that they can offer their blessings. We meet them uh, in the local trains or local bus, even if you're not paying them, but we do ensure that they bless us. They look at us properly and they say, that, yes, you're going to have a better life or yeah, you're going to have a good life ahead. So these are the things we expect from them. But having said that, I am I cannot deny the fact that there are atrocities going on here as well too, to some extent, but not as large as the other states of India, but Uh, there is one thing which is very important that article 21 of constitution of india clearly states that everyone has dignity to life everyone has you know personal freedom to choose over anything else in their life so whether the person is a eunuch or the person is a sex worker or the person belongs to any other strata of the society which is not very normal to people like you me or others we are not at all in a position to harass them or embarrass them in any way or the other there are you know, children who are transgenders and who are studying in normal schools. And we very often find that these children are harassed by other children, not only harassed by other children, but the parents of those children also call them by certain names or call them, you know, in a certain way as if they are not like the other normal children we have. So this is very wrong. You know, this is sheer inhumanity. How can parents be like this? How can you treat children in different ways? I mean, maybe, you know, there's just one thing that we must remember that maybe we have our two eyes perfect. We have our two hands perfect. We have our two legs perfect. So we think we are absolutely perfect. And people who are having certain kind of imperfections, which are not imperfections at all. These are not at all imperfections. These are some exceptions to the normal way a body is shaped or to the normal way some, somebody's mind is shaped. So we consider these as imperfections. We consider these as weaknesses of someone's character, weaknesses of someone's body. And taking that into account, we try and harass people, we embarrass human beings. You know, in such a uh, in, 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 in such a in such a wrong way. So this is something we need to understand that as human beings, where are we heading into? Why are we are making the society such a regressive place to live in? These are instances that are you know, happening all over India, not just in the place you stated, but all over India. And it is a matter of concern to every one of us. Because if someone can be beaten, if someone can be brutally uh, shaken, if someone can be killed, uh, then, you know, what is the kind of society we are heading towards? What is it that we are, uh, you know, like, leaving for our future generations? What is it that our children will learn from? people like us so that is one of the most important thing that we need to understand a question that we need to pose to all of those people who are doing you know such and such things i believe
0: Um, Amrikanka, you also work with sex workers, right? And this is a very, very difficult area of work. It isn't easy because as we understand that there are criminals that go hand in hand, you know, with the entire uh, mafia that's there with the sex workers and, you know, West Bengal does have a very large uh, number of sex workers in India, like Bombay, you know, Uh, so and it is so surprising that according to our vedas you know sex workers are actually honored especially during durga puja you know we have the nabadurga the nine forms of goddess durga also called Nabha Durga, but as a bengali i pronounce it as Nobha Durga. Uh, so goddess durga is worshiped uh, as the navakanya the nine classes of women that have been collaboratively mentioned in the vedas a nati who's a dancer and actress a vaisya, a prostitute rajaki is a laundry girl a Brahmani is a brahmin girl a dalit and a gopala which is a milkmaid, you know. So many in West Bengal believe that the worship of the goddess is incomplete without worshiping these forms and the soil from the Nishidh as it's called. Nishidh you know, loosely translated, is a place that not frequented by people is uh, considered uh, punno mati. You know, punno, which means sacred, right? It's considered sacred right, right, mati. Right. But in spite uh-huh. of this inclusion of the mud that is used in the making of our biggest festival, Durga Puja, they are still marginalized, you know. So how much of truth is there that sex workers are included also during Durga Puja in West Bengal? I think you would be able to throw light on this. It's so
1: true that yes, the soil is taken from there first to um, uh, before the uh, before the idol is actually, you know, built and the idol is, uh, uh, gets its real shape. So these are the things that truly happens. But the question is a question of inclusion. Interestingly, inclusion is the subject that I'm dealing with you know financial inclusion, although it is but yeah social inclusion too because these terms are interrelated. Now inclusion is all about uh, letting the people have proper economic participation, social participation, political participation and all other forms of participation. Unfortunately all these forms of participation are some way or the other missing. Uh, in West Bengal and sex workers are actually not allowed to participate in either of these. I mean, it is very heartbreaking, but it is true. Financial inclusion? No. There's no financial inclusion. There is very little financial inclusion. Someone told me that, you know, um, in GB Road, Delhi, I, I had a talk with a lady there in Delhi and she was saying that in GB Road um, in, in Delhi, which is a red light area, we have 1,500 sex workers. I said, we have only 1,500 sex workers. In Shonagachi, we have 16,000 sex workers. So you see the number is huge. We have several sex workers work, working in Shonagachi and not only in Shonagachi, but also in places other than Shonagachi. So the, a large percentage of sex workers in India is constituted here from West Bengal. So it's a huge number over here. Uh, But despite the huge number that we have, as you say, inclusion, inclusion is not there. Now, there are a lot of reasons why inclusion is not yet happening. You know, like you said, criminal activities, that is a major problem, which is true. And it is very true that criminal activities do take place in red light areas because it is the breeding ground of, some heinous crimes you've never, ever thought over. And if I tell you the heinous crime, I mean, what kind of crimes take place, it is not going to be a very you know, pleasant thing to hear out. But there are stories of how things have been quite not so pleasant in a warm state like West Bengal. I, I'll just share one a very small story, which is not going to be that, um, that difficult for people to hear. Um, I heard that there used to be a girl who was once asked that, uh, how do you land up in a place like Shonagachi, which is considered to be one of the uh, dirtiest, uh, you know, people call it. Whether it is dirty or not, that is a controversial question, but people consider it to be one of the dirtiest places. So how do you get into this particular area? So she said that uh, once I was brought into this place, uh, being said that I'll I'll get a household job, So I uh, was told that this is going to be uh, a great place for you to work. You're going to make good money and you're going to help your family too. So she was brought over there. And uh, once she went in, nobody would let her go. So she was locked in a room. She was brutally assaulted. She was sexually assaulted. She was mentally harassed. It went on happening for two to three days. So these things kept going on. But there was one day that she could manage to get out of this particular uh, uh, house where she was staying. And she went out of the lane and she was about to like cross the uh, entry gate of Shonagachi so that she could get back to her uh, family. Over there, she met three policemen. Three policemen and uh, she just told them that, uh, you know, I'm in a mess. I have been brought over here and I'm not willing to work uh, in this part of the City, uh, I want to get back to my home. Can you please help me to locate uh, my place so that I can, uh, like, get back to my family and live uh, happily thereafter. Uh, what happened is that she was uh, raped by these three policemen, not just once but multiple times. And after that incident, she had no option but to stay back in Shonagachi for the rest of her life. And it's not just she, but even her future generations are over there. And thus goes the story. So, what is inclusion? I mean, how would they get any kind of inclusion? No social inclusion, no financial inclusion, no economic inclusion, nothing at all. However, they are entitled to all the rights, all the rights that's there in the constitution, Article 12, Article 13, Article 21, everything they're entitled to, but they are not. Even if, you know, I'll I'll just tell you, uh, during Durga Puja, like you said, the soil is taken from here and the idol is shaped, which is very true. But uh, once if you visit the uh, panels of, here. In every panel, you'll see people lining up in queues. So many people are there. They are standing just to get a glimpse of the panel or to understand what is the theme of the panel. So many people are there. But once you hear the names of Dorjipara or Shonagachi, you know, they are calling over mics that, you know, we have this great theme at Dorjipara. We have this great theme at Shonagachi. Please come, pay us a visit. You'll like what we have done. you like our artistry. I went to Dorjipara this year. And there was nobody in that particular panel. No one. Only the volunteers, their members, that's all. The entire panel was almost empty. Nobody was there. And at Chonagachi, very few celebrities visit over there sometimes, you know, for some, uh, they do click some pictures and all of that. But normal people, people who belong to the households, they will never, ever go over there. So as far as inclusion is concerned, there is very, very little inclusion and uh, that that is i'm talking about um, social inclusion and if you talk about financial inclusion I think the rate is too, too low. I mean, negative, I might say, you know.
0: I'm sure with the pandemic, it has been really, really difficult because for almost from 2020 to 2021, um, there would have been very few people also, you know, coming in and their business must have been really down. Would you like to share any, um, you know, incident of some of the people who tried to go back home, but they were not accepted back? Yeah, it's
1: very true that, you know, during COVID, the situation was very hard. And you must have seen in papers and articles, a lot of writings were there that, you know, at Shonagachi uh, they were not able to eat for consecutively five days because customers were obviously not coming and they did not have that large savings, which they could drain and uh, make their living out of it. And also that um, uh, they, they had to pay the tuition fees of their children, which they didn't know from where they are going to collect all of that. So it was getting very difficult for them to sustain in that particular area of the city. And I'll, I'll I'll also tell you that you know um in West Bengal, uh, sex workers do have a bank also. I mean, which is run and administered by the sex workers themselves. It's called Usha Cooperative Society or Usha Cooperative Bank, which is there in um, uh, Kalighat and which also has a branch in Kuch Bihar Binhata. It has two to three branches in West Bengal. It started uh, probably twenty five to twenty six years back, and it's been a long time. It started with only thirty five thousand rupees as a corpus but now it's doing really well with lakhs and lakhs of rupees so they have this is one of their achievements i must say so this is what they have done so they were going to the banks they were uh, trying to break the deposits but even if they, 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 there was there was this huge queue in the bank and it was getting very difficult to them to withdraw required sum of money and they did not have the required sum of money which would meet their uh, exigency so things were getting actually very very difficult for them to sustain at that point of time but the thing that you asked that if there was anybody who wanted to get back to the family and make a living well no i think nobody would do that now you'll ask me why the answer is if one has been to this red light area in once in their life it is not so easy for them to get back to the normalcy i mean is just not an easy task a lot of people say that you know why can't they get back to the normal lives why they don't get rehabilitated you know um i once i asked for this question to even a eunuch also that you know why uh, don't you get back to uh, the normal lives i mean why don't you work somewhere there are so many kinds of work available why don't you come to my house i, I there there was this one uh the person her name is uh anjali i call her anjali uh, so she well, I once asked her, why do you stay in this eunuch area? Why don't you come to my house? We can work. I mean, I can give you some work. We all can work together. What's the problem? She uh, Twice she denied. She said, no, I don't want to get to your place. Now, I was, I was like, this is very rude. I'm telling her to come to my place, but she isn't coming. You know, uh, As a young person, you are a little whimsical. You get a little upset at all these things very soon. But then she told me that, see, it's not easy. Why it's not easy? Because I cannot trust your people there. Today you're calling me out. Today you want me at your house. Tomorrow your parents. Tomorrow your um, the people you live with. They are. They. They might one day say that no, we don't want to have her in our house any further. She's not someone we are comfortable to stay with or comfortable to work with. You please send her back to her own place. But if you do that, I will not be accepted in my uh, class, in my tribe ever after, because there is um, this what they call mashi. The head of a eunuchs, I mean, every uh, set of eunuchs have a mashi, okay, have a head uh, who takes care of a group of eunuchs, say in central Kolkata or say in south Kolkata or maybe in north Kolkata, you know, this way. So, uh, once they leave their mashi, they are going to get marked. And how they're going to get marked? They have this silver coin which will be burnt, and there will be a stamp put on their forehead in the middle of their forehead, which means. That the person has been marked for life, so not only they will be unacceptable in West Bengal, in the uh, Eunuchs community, but they will be unacceptable across India in the Eunuchs community. Seeing that mark, nobody will be accept- accepting them. So how can someone get back to the mainstream society or to the families of the mainstream society uh, with a risk? That as large as this, because if the family doesn't accept them later on, if the family feels whimsical and says that, no, we don't want to have you here, you please go away and we are not okay with you people. Then where will they go? They have nowhere else to go. They have nowhere else to live, nowhere else to work for. So they feel very, very scared to get out of their uh, little community that they have. And so it is the case with the sex workers, because you will say that, you know, sex workers are not marked. They're not marked. But you know what? Unknowingly, they are marked for lives too. I mean, even they have this silver burned coin somewhere burning right in the middle of their forehead, which is invisible though. But yeah, it is also there. I mean, people know that they work over there. People know that they have been working over there. So nobody accepts them in their household. Nobody keeps them even as a servant. So it is not easy for them to get back to the mainstream society. But yes, COVID has hit them very hard. But later on, they developed strategies of, having video calls and all of those things to entertain, to i mean entertain or say serve their customers and get money via google pay pay but google pay pay is not well accepted in Shunagatri because they go for cash transactions I mean like i told you digital india is something or financial inclusion is something which has not yet l- left its footsteps properly uh, in these communities so dealings in cash are more but uh, little bit they try to uh, kind of imp- recover from the situation in the later Part of 2020 or later uh, in, the, in the beginning of 2021, the situations are way better now. The yes, COVID has been literally very, very uh, tough for them, you know.
0: Uh, So, Mriganka, you know, I am, of course, as usual, short of words because I keep realizing that, you know, we've uh, seen this film by um, Julia Roberts and Richard Gay Pretty Woman. And that film showed about how this uh, really high flying corporate guy is willing to marry a prostitute. And in reality, it is not so. So there's a very clear mark or a boundary line between the gentleman areas and the prostitute areas that continues even today. And Just going back and looking from the middle of the 19th century, the British colonial administration, the Christian missionaries and native English knowing, educated Victorian Indian gentlemen that we find even in plenty, even now. And I repeat the word Victorian Indian gentlemen. They started a campaign against the prostitutes. So this was part of their project of social sanitation. You know, social sanitation, which I think they needed more than the prostitutes who were earning a living. Uh, It was a process for creating the so-called gentle society. And um, this is such a, it's a very, very long battle. And for all our listeners, you know, prostitution in Kolkata, formerly called Calcutta, is present in different forms. In Kolkata, sex industry is one of the largest in Asia. Prostitution may be brothel-based or non-brothel-based, as in the case of Call Girls. India is regarded as having one of the largest commercial sex trades globally. Kolkata has many red-light districts, out of which Shonagachi is the largest red-light district in Asia, with more than 50,000 commercial sex. Workers, then this may not be exactly correct. The number if they do not have access to sanitation, healthcare, ability to lodge a complaint with the police for you know any sort of sexual abuse. I think we are still very, very far away in development. Thank you, Mriganka Gope, for being on today's podcast. And I wish you all the best for all the work that you're doing. It requires a lot of courage. And on our podcast, we bring out voices. Of people that's unheard. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Mahua, for having me here today. It was so nice to talk to you. And thanks a lot. Thanks a ton for this.
0: To you, our dearest listeners, you can find us on your favorite streaming services, Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcast, and of course on all other major streaming services. With loads of love, we are The Mahua Show, where we talk Iman Dari Se.